welcome to Real Feminism, the podcast where we discuss films from an intersectional feminist perspective. That felt like a lot of words to get out of my mouth. I'm your host, Joe, and today I'm joined by Aman and Hedvig. Hey. hey! So we're going to discuss how to build a girl today, but before we do that, how is everyone? Yeah, good, thank you. Good. That's great. Good chat. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for Hedvig. I was waiting for a month. <laughs> fun, I'm fun. <laughs> we also said hi at the exact same time. <laughs> We're just becoming one person now. Hi, fine. <laughs> Molded in the I have some exciting news to share if you guys okay. are just fine. Yes. I'm getting a tattoo tomorrow. Oh, brilliant. Oh. What are you getting done? I've specifically saved this for the podcast. You don't Amazing. have to fake your reactions to me be doing it it is going to be this is going to be good for something that's not a visual medium <laughs> you guys so know mm, i know is it a hat oh there we go <laughs> is it a hat it's just a top hat i just thought it'd be really cool <laughs> maybe you can do it on your forehead <laughs> <laughs> Tiny, tiny little hat. <laughs> well, now I feel like what I'm actually uh, getting isn't as exciting. Yeah, no, sorry. <laughs> I'll send it on the group so you can see. Yes, and please. for the purpose of our listeners, it's a gravestone with I choose to live written on it. And in the foreground, there's a skeleton hand like coming out of the ground because they choose to live and they're alive. And then there's like the moon and a crow in the background. Very um, nice. Uh, it's, where are you getting that tattoo? Where am I body? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't know yet. I haven't decided. <laughs> oh, that's so cool, though. I kind of want to wait until I've spoken to the artist because I've got some random patches on one of my arms that it could fit in. That is a good leg tattoo. like. Yeah. But I know it really hurts on the legs. And I haven't had one done in three years and I'm genuinely terrified that I'm going to turn up and be like, nope. <laughs> I am too old now to endure this for the sake of artwork on my body. I'm fine. I've already got plans for other ones I want to have done. So hopefully, I'm sure I'll be fine. I just forget how much it hurts <laughs> until I'm starting. You'll be all right once they start. Yeah. Yeah. And also, it's not going to be that long. Did you ask the artist to come up with this, or is it something that you? It was my idea, but yeah, I was like, could you draw this gravestone with? A skeleton hand? Say like, yeah, sure. <laughs> if you if you'd like. She's really nice. She's at the White Heart Tattoo Collective in Apsley. I hope that's what they're actually called, because otherwise that's gonna have to be cut out. Which is where I got my big snake done. And I think she was working as a receptionist when I had the snake done, and she's now like a qualified tattoo artist and has done all her training. So fun. Yeah. That sounds pretty cool. I've got the day off work. <laughs> Amazing. I have to go to work for a whole day. <laughs> oh, that's so nice. So, as I mentioned earlier, this week we watched How to Build a Girl, which came out in 2019, which in my head was last year because I keep forgetting we're now 2021 and have been for nearly four months, but it was fine. The director is Koki Gedroyce, and Callum Moran was the writer for the film, who also wrote the book that the film is based on. So that was pretty cool. I quite like it when the authors come in and do the screenplay as well. Seven out of the 12 producers were women. They're all white. 
I don't think any of the producers were white. I couldn't be bothered to write down all of their names, except I did note that Catelyn Moran was a producer too. I mean, I don't know if you want to mention, because you suggested we do this film for a specific reason. I yeah, and, and I completely got the wrong book. So, um, <laughs> so the book that I was referring to is by the same author, by Catelyn Moran, but it was How to Become a Woman. Uh, no. Not how to become a girl. However, I mean, as, as we'll talk about the film, I still had issues with it. But yeah, no. And also, and she didn't say that because I looked at it again. She didn't say about intersectionality. It was she thought she knew everything about being a woman when she wrote How to Become a Woman because she thought she'd had her kids and that was it. She was done. Mm-hmm. And she was being all like a bit righteous about it. And then she said, when she re- she reads it every now and again to go, oh, I didn't really know what I was talking about. Mm-hmm. So what so you're no. saying So is... I, basically I made it up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I tried to find, I was looking today to try and find an answer. Yeah, I thought, like, I I thought I'd find it. it as well myself, but then I realized that I was trying complete utter bullshit. Um, so sorry. <laughs> That's amazing. Like, yeah, I know. It's not that book and she wasn't talking about race in <laughs> I have heard her be accused of not being intersectional, but I couldn't remember where I heard it from. Mm. But yeah, there's definitely that her feminist view isn't diverse at all. Oh, don't say that. She was the first feminist I knew about. Yeah, but I think this is interesting, though, because I think it's also... I read her book, How to Become a Woman. Mm-hmm. I mean, back then, whenever that was, when it came out, 2011. And I mean, I loved that book. I thought it was mm-hmm. great. I thought it was really, really good. But one thing that I thought of now when watching this film, and I don't know if it's because it's not translated well or if the book hasn't aged that well, but I feel like that type of feminism, you know, the whole thing about, I think someone described it as big panties and, you know, that kind of like, it's like Bridget Jones feminism I guess mm. it, maybe it's not enough these days you know what I mean mm-hmm. we've evolved so much and I think yeah no it wasn't broad enough because me and my sister were reflecting on it and maybe that because that was what she was so she says it was outdated because things like not shaving your legs or not talking about masturbation were massive when she wrote the book mm. but now everyone talks about it and it's not mm. a thing anymore so for mm-hmm. her her feminism was that but yeah it's not diverse because that's kind of just like in some way white people issues yeah actually there's another layer of feminism and Mm. so yeah me and my sister were saying that maybe maybe it wasn't in books because people weren't like say if you went to someone like that or a group and it wasn't allowed to be discussed because they didn't get it then you'd either just go and form your own group or you just won't talk about it but Mm. be there because it was the only space you had Mm -hmm. there is definitely like a change isn't there because feminism Mm. used to be well, I want to wear dungarees yeah. and not be called a lesbian and yeah. wear granny pants and not shave my armpits. Yeah. Like, yeah, that was a very like 90s, early noughties view of feminism. I, I think I read her book when it came out and I can't for the life of me remember how I got hold of the book. I don't know who recommended it or whether I saw it said, I, I don't know. Anyway, I read the book and it blew my mind because I hadn't realised that I could just not shave my legs and I I could just not care about getting married and I could just not wear high heels. I genuinely blew my mind. I think I was only 19 when I read it. And I remember the whole chapter about like shaving your pubic hair because for our lovely listeners, I did remove everything. And then after reading that, I was like, wait, I don't have to do that. And then since then I've been like, I'm not shaving my puss. I'm just going to let things go free 
trim things back but that's it from now on I'm gonna have a bush just like Catelyn Moran and it's it's really been great for me <laughs> mm. but I wonder if that is also like maybe that was that era because I feel like you know the early 2000s was a lot about like the sort of sh- remove all body hair do not talk about periods like Mm. hide everything that could be seen as the dirtier side of being like a woman basically everything that is seen as natural I guess quotation Mm -hmm. marks today I think it's a lot in that era as well and I think also with the sort of beauty standards of like the early 2000s you know like Paris Hilton and like that the super slim like very narrow frame that whole era so I think also being like a curvier bigger feminist that doesn't shave your legs or pubic hair was like a big whilst now it's not really mm-hmm. so yeah definitely I think it's changed loads. but yeah. maybe that book like it needed to have happened to get here because you need those conversations to be okay with you know here and, and I think like the fact that like probably we all have boyfriends that are okay with us not shaving our legs or whatever which is you know yeah. can you imagine that 10 years ago I remember before I met Lee obviously because now I only have sex with Lee. So before I met Lee, sleeping with a guy, and I can't remember how it came up that I'd said, oh yeah, I don't shave my pubic hair. And he said, oh, I've never slept with anyone who doesn't do that. I was like, mm. how old are you? Like, <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> I think he was a couple of years younger than me. And I remember thinking, I wonder if that's because, because I think I was 25 and he was maybe 23. And I remember thinking, I wonder if that's because those women haven't realised that they don't have to do that yet, because it took Mm. me a while to realise that. Or maybe they just want to, which obviously is fine. No, but I agree. For me, it took me, like, I think I started removing my body hair, everything in general, when it started to come. Like, as soon as it started to grow, I just removed everything. And I think it wasn't until actually a guy told me that if, if you don't want to do I like if you don't want to remove like your hair it's fine like I don't mind it took that for me to like actually even reflect upon if it was something I wanted to do or if I just did it out of habit and then I stopped shaving and now I don't shave anything I mean I'm also privileged because I'm blonde and have very fine hair yeah I'm, I'm uh, the same I don't have that privilege yeah. <clears throat> I would love to be able to not shave or not shave and just not give a shit yeah, yeah definitely I mean you should see my armpits though they're like a little forest (laughs) (laughs) I did try growing out my armpit hair and I just didn't enjoy my own musk that came Mm. with it so I decided we'll just not and also because I like using stick deodorants and Mm. that feels harder when you've got lots of hair yeah (laughs) it's a bit messy yeah Yeah. so but I was glad that I'd experimented and thought okay yeah this isn't for me and that's fine I think it's a fun thought experiment or for me it's been to actually grab my armpit hair because Mm. I did like I think I started doing it maybe like three years ago but that first summer I I realized a lot of the time that I limited myself in what I was wearing just Mm. because of that and then I was like why this is so stupid like just shave but then I was like but I want to prove to myself that I'm comfortable wearing a tank top and like having hairy armpits but then like I wouldn't do it like Mm. I wouldn't go to the swimming pool because I was like it was like a subconscious thing yeah it's so crazy and that I think that proved to me how long I mean it's such a I mean now we're back talking about body hair but for me it was such like a visual symbolic thing which is Mm -hmm. like so deeply ingrained within you that I don't even think of actively it's just subconscious yeah I remember 
going on holiday with my boyfriend at the time to Vienna and we went swimming in the Danube and we got changed in like a public toilet nearby and they were it was like an area in the Danube you could swim by the way just in case you guys were like why are you jumping into the river this city is <laughs> fucking weird and they had like a little a swimming area which was really cool but when I was getting dressed I realized I hadn't shaved my bikini line because it wasn't something I regularly did because I don't like doing it and I panicked I, I felt like I was in a nightmare I was like oh my god oh my god oh my god people are going to see my pubic hair and I remember saying to him like we have to sit right at the front of this beach in front of everyone so no one can see and I was just so freaked out by it about people seeing that oh my god that woman was pubic hair and I wish I could get past that because I don't go swimming often but I know that whenever I do I will trim my bikini like get just get rid of my bikini line hair and it really bugs me because I hate doing it. It becomes itchy and Same, doesn't yeah. look nice growing back. It's just not it's not nice, is it? None of this yeah. is nice. No. Like even because I went through a phase of like doing a full Brazilian. Mm. Oh my God. Like I had ingrown hairs. It was awful. Yeah. So I've just stopped now. But I was like, why am I doing this to myself? Yeah. I'm like ruining my skin and it's not nice. And also it's like, like it's itchy and it's always itchy at the wrong time. Like, you're like, <laughs> <laughs> like I want to give myself a good old scratch while I'm in fucking public. Like, God, yeah. just, you know. Yeah, but also having sex when you have like a whole oh, grown out, like mm. it's not nice. It's like wearing a peeling. It's oh, like yeah. you're... Yeah, it's, it's, or you're a little hedgehog it's just not and I just I wish I could not care but I know yeah. that I need I need some other women to be really brave and do it and for it not to be a big deal and then I can feel okay but I'm not ready yeah. to be that revolutionary person I just maybe don't. we just need to go to the beach with our yeah bushes this <gasps> oh my god <laughs> I would really love that yeah. <laughs> I'd be so into that because yeah in my head I'm picturing it just being me thinking I'm not shaving I'm just gonna because mm. I, I don't shave my legs often and in the summer it's so nice not caring and it's so nice that I can see them and think yeah they're really hairy and I literally don't give a shit about anyone seeing them looking hairy it's just I, th- I don't know whether it's because pubic hair is associated with an area that's normally very private yeah well I think that is the thing yeah I think exactly Exactly. I was about to say women should keep hidden I was like actually I don't want to see penises when I'm on my way to the shops just to get some milk or something so I don't know whether it's because it's a hidden area yeah no but obviously because if you if you see someone's pubic hair you're going to think about their genitalia or maybe not necessarily (laughs) just think that it's become so like it's become so sexualized I know it's a sex organ but it's like it's become this commodity like in yeah. or whatever mm. and if it doesn't look I think that's where it's come from because I don't remember like as a teenager caring yeah it's only suddenly when caring. I like but only when you're suddenly thinking about having sex with someone mm. like before then you're like yeah matter mm. it's really weird do you think we are a lot more repressed in the UK as well? Because like, again, on this trip to Vienna, we went to a festival and we used the shower block one day and it was segregated between men and women, as I guess they all are. I've never showered at a festival before, so I don't know if that was normal, but we were bored. We were like, I guess we'll shower. That's a facility that's offered. And there were no changing rooms. 
And I remember all of these wonderful Austrian women were just naked wandering around. And I was like, <gasps> I did not sign up to be naked around people. Oh my God, what am I going to do? And I think my ex was like, oh, I just went with it. And he, he was like, yeah, I just went with it. And I was like, I felt so fucking, oh. Anyway, sorry, I think just No, I exploded. just reacted to this because this is one of the first things that I reacted so strongly to when I moved to the UK. Because when I grew up, when I would go to the Lido or swimming pool with my mom, I mean, I would see so many bushes. So mm. many hairy, like women were naked, just hanging out. We would go to the sauna. Like there were just so many different like shapes and sizes. And you would see like women were naked, basically. You saw naked women in the women's changing room. Whilst when I moved here and I was like, why are there separate changing rooms where you can lock in the gym? I was, <laughs> I've never seen that in my whole life. And I was so surprised that women would take their towel to the shower Mm-hmm. take off their clothes in the shower and then not you wouldn't undress you know in the chair yeah, that's me yeah absolutely yeah, 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 yeah. Now, no way. Now, I, I, now I do the same because obviously everyone does it that way here but I was just so surprised because I was like it doesn't make any sense it's just women like we're all just naked like yeah so there are some people in my gym that do that Mm-hmm. and they don't care and I'm always like yes go you because I can't do that <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I yeah. was gonna say I was hoping you were the one woman in the no way the no who... I couldn't I used to change my like sports bra underneath my t-shirt or like oh, yeah. I was always like like a really quick change around because no mm-hmm. one could see anything I'm just like wow <laughs> no, okay so I do that like if I go into the gym and I'm gonna get changed I definitely will get my tits out like mm. I do that and I I, I I can stand and like talk to my friends while I'm like semi half naked it's not that I love being naked with women in like a changing room but like it is it is quite comforting it's just that comfortable yeah yeah, yeah. whenever I think Armin had left my birthday party before it got to this point but I often just get my tits out at my parties <laughs> because it feels so freeing and I've done it before when I've been drunk and at my birthday last year, I didn't drink. But by the end of the night, um, we were, I was putting the transfer tattoos all over my boobs. I was like, this is hilarious. Someone else put a tattoo on my boob. It was so much fun. That's amazing. Um, I think yeah. I think I'd taken my top off when Lee had gone to the bathroom and he came back and was like, what's happening in here? Why are you half naked? <laughs> you haven't had anything to drink. Like, I know, but I feel so free. That is amazing. I did that at a spa or like for my, I think it was for my 26th birthday. My friend from Sweden, her birthday is the day before me, came over as a surprise. And then our partners have had gotten us like a spa day where we could catch up. And uh, I was like, okay, it's a women only day, you know, because it, uh, it was better, you know, better gyms, better spas, whatever. They're like cheap gyms it's like 25 pounds or whatever for a spa day and they have like women only men only and mixed sessions and, and it was a women only session and I was like great that we can be naked so we were like walking around naked we sat in the sauna we were like oh this is great up until the point where one of the employees had to knock on the window they were like ladies ladies could you please cover up and I, <laughs> I was like but it's women only and she was like well, that doesn't mean you can go naked. I was like, but it's only women here. Like, why wouldn't I? Like, it's more hygienic to be naked than actually wearing swimwear. And I was like, why? 
Yeah, I, it just didn't <laughs> Ladies. <laughs> ladies. Especially because just what they were making, having a great time in the staff being like, someone needs to tell them. <laughs> I know. It's so funny. And then, because oh. they, had, they told us because they had had complaints. <laughs> Isn't that insane? Wow, that's crazy. <laughs> Some other women had felt so uncomfortable by me and my friend being naked that they had complained to the staff. Why oh, <laughs> I'm laughing so much? But it's insane. It's also super British, though, I feel like. Yeah, I guess it's like culture or what you're used to. I don't know. Imagine complaining. Yeah. Wow. Anyway, let's talk about the film. So we've talked a bit about Catelyn Moran and her brand of feminism. So mm-hmm. this film is based on a book she wrote God, I can't remember when. 2014, I think it is. Oh, okay. Cool. Headlig knows. And it's semi-autobiographical, based on a woman called Johanna Morrigan, who grew up in Wolverhampton. She lives in poverty and has got loads of siblings. And then she manages to become a rock critic at D and Me. And that's how Catelyn got started. She lived in the same, she was in the same situation as a child. She lived in poverty in Wolverhampton, had lots of siblings, and then managed to get... I think it was on maybe Music Melody or Melody Maker. I can't remember, but she was only 16 and started as a critic at this magazine. So it's kind of semi-autobiographical and you just follow Johanna as she's trying to figure out what kind of person she wants to be and how to fit in amongst all of these men at this rock newspaper thing. (laughs) Rock critic newspaper thing, that's fine. Otherwise known as just a a magazine. Music magazine. (laughs) (laughs) We've got Johanna that we can discuss, her mum, Angie, who is going through postpartum depression in the film. Those are the two main women in it. There's Mrs B, who's a teacher, but mostly it's just Johanna and the mum. And then in terms of intersectional characters, Johanna's brother, Chrissy, is gay. And I really liked that in the film, it's not a thing that he's gay. Like he talks about fancying boys and... But it's not like he has to come out. It has to be a big secret. He's he's just gay. And then we've got Kenny, who is a black guy who I think runs the paper. Yeah, Yeah, he's like the chief editor, I think. Yeah. And then the other guy who I'm including in this category is Tony, because his mother is mixed race. So those are the characters. And it passed the female Bechdel test, which was cool. I don't think it passed the intersectional. No, I don't think it does. I don't think it did. Unless Tony and... The editor and chief. Yeah, don't know. And I don't, because I do remember them talking at one point, but it was about Johanna. Yeah, yeah. Maybe not then. It definitely does pass the female one. Mrs. B and Johanna are talking about her essay at one point. And I'm sure there are other bits in it as well, but that's the bit that I noticed. I didn't not enjoy this film as much as I thought I would the second time round, if that makes sense. You did not not enjoy this. (laughs) I thought I was going to be really bored mm. the second time around and watching it. I thought, actually, this film's fine. Yeah, I didn't like it. Oh, okay. <laughs> Go on, I... Owen. Take it away. <laughs> I don't, I can't put my finger on it, but I don't know why I didn't like it. I, I was bored. I was really bored. I was on my phone the whole time. Oh, wow. I don't know. I just couldn't relate to it. Because it's not like it was too white or anything. Because I think I love things like Moxie. Mm. It just felt very unrealistic. Like I know it was her life story and I'm not taking away from that. But I felt like what she was trying to say was anyone could do this Mm. rather than this is just my story and this is what I learned. Mm. And I think that's a bit I didn't like because it's not realistic. It's not Mm. something you can 
replicate. I also watched this film is the second time I'm watching it. I think it's okay, like a rom-com, you know, would be okay. Like it's it's easy to watch. But I've also started to reflect upon if we're like the right target group. Mm. I think maybe this is a film you would want to watch when you're 14, 15. You know, like how mm. Mean Girls came out when we were like 13, 14. I'm also in my head thinking Angus Long was in perfect. Yeah, that's exactly what it feels like. So something that you would watch when you're a teenager. Because I also feel like the whole narrative and the storytelling, I just felt like it was directed more towards maybe younger people. Not that you're like basic and stupid when you're a teenager, but it was, it just felt, it it didn't feel like a grown-up film in a sense. You get what I mean? Yeah. Also, I've been struggling more recently to relate to who I would have been at the age the characters have been, if that makes sense. So I was reading a book where the character was 22 and the way she was behaving, I found myself thinking this is so stupid. If you were just honest and open to people, you could solve all these problems. And I think 22-year-old me would have liked that book more than current me who's grown a lot more as a person and is now just like, I can't be asked to deal with reading about this 22-year-old who's not learned about herself yet. And I don't know whether with this it felt kind of similar. Mm. I didn't feel as strong me about it as I did with that book where I really felt like, why have I just wasted my time? Well, this book was nominated for awards that I thought was terrible. But she's she's only 16. She's so young. She's so young. And she has... One thing that I thought about a lot is that even though... I mean, she beats her up quite a lot from time to time when she's like, I'm not cool, I want to die, and stuff mm. like that. But at the same time, I feel like there's like a core confidence with her. Like the whole thing that she... Go jumps on a train, goes out to London to like a rock magazine to apply for a job. Like, who mm. would do that when you're 16? Yeah, like no it's way. just such an insane, like, it's so unrelatable in that sense. I think, yeah, if I think back to myself when I was 16, I, I think I, everything was embarrassing, mm-hmm. even applying for like a job at McDonald's or a cafe. I thought was embarrassing, like, every like, I would never have gone to you know a rock magazine to apply for I struggled to even talk to the cool boys at the school let alone going to a fucking rock magazine and saying no you will give me a job yeah exactly I think that's because the dynamics with her and her parents were so different her parents Mm. weren't really her parents they Mm. were her friends or like she had to parent them because she was paying the rent essentially wasn't she Mm, so maybe the power dynamic just made it so that she kind of had to stick up for herself because no one else was going to do it Mm. true I guess that was her motivator I was a bit confused about her motivator though because also she starts off the film because it's sort of like her telling the story right it's like Mm. blah 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 blah, whatever it's and it starts off you know by her saying this is not a film about a heroine that meets a boy. Oh no, this is not a film. She says it's not a story, but it then becomes that story. Yeah, something like I'm not like the girls in these books who have big things happen in their life. And I'm like, you're, but that is this whole film. I know it's all come <laughs> from her, and she's yeah. made herself do it. And I know she doesn't get with a guy. And well, I mean, she sleeps with lots of men, but there's no like a single romance throughout the film. But but I thought about this because she, I mean, she falls deeply in love with this guy, right? Mm. And that is also her motivator for, or that is why she loses her job because she likes falling in love with him, mm. and then obviously writes a hate, a hate article that sort of destroys her a bit, and she feels guilt. So I feel like that part, the boy 
was still there. It just mm-hmm. didn't go into the mutual relationship. But from her side, that took up a big part in this film, I think. Do you know what I did find quite annoying about? I think the opening line is her saying, I've read every book in this library, but I can't find a story about a girl like me. And I was like, what, a white girl? What's your issue? Every book you've read is about you? I was just like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Do you mean that you're coming from poverty? Because I'm sure you can find that. I was just... I don't know, a bit turned off straight away by that. So I was like, yeah. mm. but I think that's why I did, there was an element of privilege to it. Yeah. Whose parents really would let them go to London by themselves and do, go to these rock concerts and just kind of not give a shit? I kept forgetting that she was only 17. 16 and three quarters, as she mentions. It's unrelatable in that sense. And there's so many opportunities where they could have gone in deeper. Because mm. yes. I've not read the book, but like this, the superficialness of it. You know, she is, you know, a plus size girl that is making it. And like, she doesn't give a shit. There's so much there. The fact that she went in and she was like, give me this job. You like my writing. You know, Mm -hmm. like, they're the points that they should have focused on. But they end up going down this, oh, she's in love with that guy. And then that was the reason why she wanted to fix everything. Exactly. And I thought about that a lot because she never, I mean, I think she, like, when she doubts herself, it's like her intelligence or her sort of emotional intellect but she never talks about her body for example like she never mentions her appearance or like how she looked why I, I was thinking about if I would be like 14 watching this I think it would be inspirational to just see someone that's not a skinny girl that's like just wearing clothes and makeup for fun not mm. really to like look good but just to like because it's fun to wear red lipstick and like net stockings and mm you know, boots and a weird hat. I think that I like that about it, that it was just how she looked and how she dressed was just her trying to figure herself out. But I guess in a creative way, not to sort of please anyone or be attractive. I think I did read an article where Catelyn was saying, and it actually said something similar to what Alan was saying earlier, that the way feminism was when she wrote the book has changed so much. And there was meant to be that that opening scene where she's picturing all of those men in Wolverhampton who are really attractive that she fancies was meant to be a masturbating scene where she was masturbating to all of her literary heroes. And they decided to take her out because Catelyn, I think she said she started writing the script years and years and years ago. And she said, like, no one really, that wasn't on screen. And now obviously Free Dog has come out, like there's loads of masturbating <laughs> women on screen, which is great. She said that she wanted it to be more about class. And I think, Johanna's parents did love her but her mum obviously has just had two babies and is going through postpartum depression her dad is just focused on trying to make himself famous still I don't know whether it was showing more of a lack of privilege that she was able to go and do all that stuff because I think a parent who is able to parent properly would have said oh actually because when she walks into that room with all those men, I remember thinking, this isn't a safe environment. Yeah. And I don't think I'd want my 16-year-old daughter walking into that without at least me being more involved in some way and making sure that nothing untoward is happening. Because they're all obviously just trying to have sex with her and mm. are really gross towards her. I'm just going to go back to her mom for a second. And one thing that I 
thought was interesting as well is how they position her mom's postpartum depression because I think they say and mom suffers from postpartum de- depression but I guess that happens when you have a baby at 30 38 or something mm. and I feel like that could have like they could have just done that so much better without making like a gag out of it because it just like flew past and now she was just like a depressed mom because she had a baby when she was 38 and I was like no. Yeah, that can happen at any age. Yeah, yeah baby. exactly. And like, you could have picked that up and like done some, you know, done something proper with that. Even if they just said having twins when dad is just trying to get famous or something, because I think he he didn't seem very involved with any of the kids at all. And you could see how much strain was on the mum. Uh, even if they just said that, because that would kind of still have been funny if they'd made a joke at the dad's expense about how useless he was rather than oh, she shouldn't have had a baby when she was mm. old. Old, yeah. in air quotes, obviously. Mm. It's not old. I have to say, I don't think a lot of the mental health stuff in the film was handled that well. No. No, even at the end. And trigger warning, because we are going to end up talking about self-harm and suicide, which I forgot was in this film. Same, yeah. I got a shock at the end. I was like, what? Wait, did this happen? Yeah. It felt very, like it had come out of nowhere. And... It, as, as you said, I mean, like there was no, it should have been explored more because it, it could have been a theme throughout the film that self harming was something she did. Yeah, because they dropped it in, didn't they? Her feeling to, her want, that feeling of wanting to die mm. isn't something, it's not a normal reaction to anything. Like, yeah, you're embarrassed, you're like, oh my God. But that, you know, like where she used to sit under the bed and that was her mm-hmm. coping mechanism with jam, like it goes a lot deeper, yeah. you know, like, and yeah, they could have done that. And then suddenly at the end, she like, cuts herself and and then mm. they make a joke of it in the hospital yeah I know like oh you look like you've gouged you two into your arm and I don't know if about either of you two but I have self-harmed quite a lot in my life and I found it when he reached over to peel her bandage back I found that really hard to watch because one of my things was always making sure no one saw and no one knew and it felt so intrusive for him to just be peeling back her bandage to look at what she'd done and then to joke about it, mm. it's so hard because I think it should be okay to make light of things like that. And me and my friends often do, and I don't mind jokes. And with all of my mental health stuff, I don't want to be serious about it all the time. But it did feel uncomfortable watching it. It felt like, that. now this sounds, because I have got friends who self-harm a lot and used to when we were teenagers. Mm. So I have had a lot of a thing with it and I did it myself but I don't know why but it just felt a little bit attention seeking when she did it and I know that sounds horrible because no one ever does it to, for attention seeking and it's the worst thing you can ever say but because of the way it just came, suddenly came about mm. it just felt out of place like she yeah. just felt sorry for herself I know that sounds really bad no I know what you mean I feel like there was a quote as well that made it seem even more like that but maybe Chrissy says, or oh, it looks like you killed yourself for Bono and Johanna's responses, they were meant to be bold, agonised slashes. So it almost seems like she was doing it because it was a romanticised thing, like she was in such agony that she had to make this bold mark on herself. Because they also joked about, like Sylvia Plath made a joke and she said she wants to die. Sylvia Plath was like, oh, I've got some ways you can do it. I was like, I don't yeah. know about, I don't know. That's okay, I don't know. Yeah, I felt that throughout as well. But I guess also the thing that you you never felt her sort of mental pain. 
Like mm. never felt that she, like I could never see that she was or feel that she was suffering. Like, I don't know. Maybe it was the acting or the like screenplay, how it was written. I don't know. But it was just like, I could never really feel with her or relate to her. And I think that's also why it became, like you said, Joe, I think you, sh- you could add elements of comedy to it but that's also why it didn't feel real like her suffering yeah I guess there was no balance to it there was no the seriousness of it to balance out the kind of joking about how exactly does Kathleen Moran talk about mental health issues for herself because I know this is semi-autobiographical. No, she doesn't. Um, I've just read her new book, More Than a Woman, and she does talk in there about her daughter having an eating disorder. But I don't think she's experienced, and I might be wrong, I haven't read How to Be a Woman in a long time, but I don't think she's experienced depression or self-harm. I don't think. Because I remember when she was talking about her daughter it wasn't something she'd ever experienced. So I don't think she really knew how to go about it. But yeah, sorry if I've misquoted that, Catelyn. But I don't think so. Yeah. So yeah, I, I just didn't think the film handled it that well. And I saw some reviews that said that they liked that even in the darker parts of the film, the humour was still there. So maybe it's just a personal thing for me. Yeah, I just felt like a lot of the mental health stuff wasn't... It didn't even feel that dark. Yeah, I mean, as you were saying, it did feel quite superficial, which is a word I don't like using for things like that. But it, it did just come out of nowhere and it was so unexpected. Her drinking and sleeping around was meant to be her in being empowered and doing whatever the fuck she wanted, right? Mm. Not because she was struggling and trying to hide. Like, that wasn't her being depressed, was it? And you it know, wasn't, to... I mean, it wasn't positioned like that, I think. No, no, no. no. Yeah. It was meant to be her just doing what she wanted. Yeah, yeah, that's the way I saw that. Yeah, but I guess also like thinking of how she had sex with men and I think somewhere, if I, if maybe I remembered this wrong, but it's like, I think she says something about, you know, when she's like, how does a man make a woman come? Or like something like that. Mm. So I don't think it's not like, I think I don't think she's having sex for pleasure. Maybe it is something else, but I don't know what that would be. It's not really, yeah, it's not really indicated what that would be if it's because she is depressed or if it's just for more like confirmation or approval or, yeah, I don't know. Because there was that one bit when she's talking about being doing doggy style mm. and she's like, oh, you can always move around when he's putting his penis in too much. <laughs> just tell him not to do that. Yeah. But, but then, yeah, but then is she doing it because, oh, yeah, I've slept with someone yeah she's not enjoying Mm. it yeah that scene I found hilarious though when she was running that is funny though yeah Yeah. (laughs) I also do appreciate that she said oh there is such thing as a penis that's too big because I remember thinking that's so true there is and I just remember at school all the boys being like oh my dick's so big it's like this big it's huge and now I'm like that's you're gonna have a terrible time and yeah. no one's going to want to have sex with you because that's going to be awful for them. Yeah. That bit I liked. That bit, you know, about her being sexually open and trying mm. new things. Like, that was done really well because mm. that was just, you know, she's just figuring out life and enjoying it. Mm. Mm. I think I really liked Angie in the film. She had some great one-liners. Like, when Pat sells the family car in order to make recordings of his EP... 
And then she pops her head out the window and he's like, where did you come from? And she says something like, I manifest when anyone sells my fucking car. <laughs> I just really liked that oh, idea that good. she just popped up and was like, you've done what? And then also at the start, she says something like, it's like the Joker's smile down there, talking about how ripped up she was after her birth. And obviously, like, they were all really deadpan, kind of miserable lines because she's obviously really depressed. That's something else I, I kind of wish they'd explored more, her having postpartum depression. Yes. And obviously the film's about Johanna, so I guess Johanna's not really that interested in what her mum's up to because she's off being a sex pirate and exploring the world. She's sad about her mum, though, isn't she? Because yeah. she's talking to that Jake guy that mum's not there for me now. Yeah. yeah, and she misses her. And then it, when Johanna's in the hospital... Her mum says to her, happy girl shouldn't talk to sad old scared women. You might catch it. It's like, Angie. I really felt more for her than Johanna, even though Johanna ended up in the hospital. I really was like, someone needs to help her mum. Her mum clearly is not coping. Yeah. Like Even when they all came into the hospital and Pat and Chrissy were holding both the twins and then they put them on... Angie when she was lying in the bed like could you guys just not hold them yeah I mean there's like maybe this film would have been a lot better if they would have just like focused more on like the sex bit like her exploring Mm. her sexuality the funny bit like I don't know maybe it would have just been a lot better if it was just like a comedy you know Mm. just like a fun film or a tv series like a one-off Oh yeah, series so they could explore in more depth. Or because I I don't know whether it felt like there was so much packed in that sure. could have been explored a lot more. Like as we were saying earlier, the fact that she's she's not a skinny girl that could have been explored more. Because when the men are in the tub talking about her, they do say something like that she's a pig, and that mm. when she sits on your lap, she cuts off the circulation. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the only time anything to do with her weight is mentioned in the film. Mm. And that's something that maybe could have been explored. Because then you could have had an episode about her mum and how what's going on with her mum's... Even, like, her dad. He obviously must also be in quite a lot of pain. Because in my mind, I'm picturing him thinking, oh, I've had a dream, I'm going to make something myself, I'm going to go somewhere, and that's never happened. And now he's just stuck in this perpetual loop of thinking, I'm going to make it, I'm going to get somewhere. Yeah. Instead of just accepting, I've got a lovely wife and all of these lovely kids and I can do something with my life yeah that's different it'd be a bit like did you watch my mad fat diary no I need to but I still haven't it's about her Mm. but you get to know the characters around her yeah because again apparently I'm just interested in all the characters who aren't her even her teacher who is not a very supportive teacher is quite negative towards her a lot of the time I'm picturing her going through a whole like maybe she started thinking she could really make a difference and really change people's lives and has become deluded. And now she's got this girl who's giving her 35-page essays for her to read. I thought she was being supportive, just trying to rein her in a little bit. Because <laughs> I think she was like a like a victim of the patriarchy. Like, yeah. you can't be yourself. You know, you just you have to conform. But she did say to her, didn't she, like, you're the brightest... There's always one. And she describes herself as a hope smasher to her as well. <laughs> I also love that Joanna calls her Mrs. B. Yeah, she keeps <laughs> correcting her. Mrs. B. <laughs> what did you think of Joanna's accent? Oh you... my God, it was awful. Yeah? 
because obviously I'm not a British person. So for me, I was like, that's great. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not from the Midlands. So I was like, that sounds legit to me. Sometimes I don't know. it was sometimes it was good, and then it slipped a little bit. Mm. One thing that I would like to talk about is so I've just read a book about uh, women in Hollywood and the movie industry. And there was a chapter about critics and how the majority of critics are white men still, and that they're sort of the gatekeepers to what is cool and good and what people see as being good. And when she becomes a bitch in order to be accepted by the men at the magazine, I felt so mad on her behalf because it's so frustrating that teenage girls are looked down on still and the things that teenage girls like are considered to be shit and not good. And now as an adult, it really pisses me off. I was thinking about it when I was showering earlier and getting really mad at past me trying to like things that boys have told me are cool when they're not actually the really shit. <laughs> so there's a guy I really fancied who had like a fling with and he was really like he played guitar and he was really musical and really cool and he lent me a Jack Kerouac book called The Subterraneans and I remember thinking oh my god this book's so cool it's from the beat generation it's so cool it's a fucking awful book it's so bad and I couldn't I hate Jack Kerouac so fucking much. That Bjork scene when she's like on the yes. road, it's just a book about a guy getting a lift. Oh my God. It's <laughs> oh the worst book in the world. I think Subterraneans didn't have any grammar in it, which I struggle with because then I just had no idea what the whole book was about and it was awful. I didn't like it. And then I read On the Road a few, probably quite a few years ago now, actually. <laughs> oh, it's such a bad book. And all of these men are like, oh my God, on the road, I love Jack Kerouac. It's a freaking awful book. It's just about these white men who just can't be bothered to do anything and just want to go and adventure and stive off of the main guy's aunt. They keep wiring her and saying, can you send us more money? And I think I stopped reading it at the point where one of the characters was, they were discussing sexually exploiting one of the character's girlfriends to get money. And at that point I was like, Fuck this book. I can't believe so many white men have said to me, oh my God, on the road, Jack Kerouac is so good. It's like, this is awful. This is so bad. I never heard of him already in his book. Well, you don't need to. (laughs) (laughs) It just, and that is my favourite of the film where she says, like, don't bother. It's not a good book. But Jack Kerouac and that whole beat generation are held up as being cool people that if you're a cool guy, you're into that kind of stuff. Mm. and now I'm like but that's so dumb because why is that book any better than Twilight to be freaking honest with you like it's just not a good book but yeah I would have been looked down on as a teenager for loving Twilight I don't know anyway the point of all this was gatekeeping what's cool because there's a scene in the film where where did I write it oh yeah I think Tony says to her you sounded like an excited teenage girl in regards to the interview that she wrote up with John Kai and her response was but I am an excited teenage girl I shouldn't be thinking it's so sad because I'm sure other teenage girls would love to read about her being really excited about a rock star but obviously they're seeing it as no you have to be a critic in a certain way and you can't be excited about things and you have to be aloof and even mean at times Mm. which I don't but then they end up calling her an asshole of the year anyway. Yeah. So when she did what they wanted, she got the piss taken out of her. Yeah. 
it was just it felt very unsafe I think the whole time she was working there and when Kenny gets her her interview he says this is why we don't hire little girls I remember thinking Mm. she needs guidance why don't you just say to her this needs to be toned down a bit it needs to be more objective instead of being like dismissing her because of Mm. course she's excited she's going for her first interview she's really young I mean I guess he doesn't know this but she's also come from a really impoverished background where she hasn't flown before she hasn't done any of these things of course she's going to be overwhelmed and excited and John Kite's the only man who's ever sat and talked to her and listened and been interested in what she had to say Mm. so of course she fell in love with him who Mm. else Gives teenage girls the time of day. They know she's poor, don't they? Because they're taking the piss out of her in the hot tub. Oh, yeah, they are. That's true. They all get really uncomfortable as well when she says, never have I ever been on holiday. And they're all joking. Oh, yeah. like, oh, why? And she says, well, we never had any money. And it just goes quiet. So mm. like, oh, it's okay. Like, it's not. It's just a fact of her life. You don't need to be awkward about it. Anyway, we've talked for quite a long time not about the film. But are there other things that we want to talk about before we rate it? The only thing I'd like to raise is not about the film, the characters. It's about the diversity of Wolverhampton. Like, Mm -hmm. Wolverhampton is really diverse. It's in Birmingham. And you can tell it was written by all, like, there was only white. Did you say it was white producers? They were all white, yeah. They never showed that diversity of Wolverhampton. Unless you lived in a part of Wolverhampton, which wasn't diverse back Mm -hmm. then. But... It just lacks that element of inner city living mm-hmm. that you would naturally see, like in her school or whatever. Yeah. Is Wolverhampton a part of Birmingham or is it a yeah. city? It's like in the Midlands, in the West Midlands. Mm. It's just okay. off Birmingham. Well, the Wolverhampton today, like my cousin lives there, is really diverse. Mm. I'm sure there would have been that an element of that when she was growing up. So I think I wrote down that the person running the corner shop was South Asian. And there was a family of South Asian people on the train. Yeah, that's what I know. We're eating South Asian food. I was yes. like, yeah. And I liked that they had it all as it almost looks like they had the pans with all the food in that everyone was eating from. I was like, I really like that. That's cool. Yeah. But even like from an Asian, like an East Asian perspective. Yeah. Or even like some disability. There's no one in a wheelchair. I'm sure there was someone in a wheelchair. Her dad is claiming disability benefits as well. So that could have been something that was included in the film, that he actually was disabled and couldn't Mm. work. Whereas I think they're saying that he's just... Defrauding the system. Yes. Mm. It's a bit more diverse than I expected, but I think that's because I thought you'd said there's literally no one in the film who wasn't white. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So I think for me, I was like, oh, this seems really diverse, but I was expecting it to be like a a zero level. I did notice that the people on her wall, I think there was one black woman who said, yeah, and other than that, none of the... And Frida Kahlo, and that was it. Mm. No, Frida Kahlo, I don't think, moved. Um, oh, I no, but there was a picture of her. Yes, yeah. there was her, there was Cleopatra. Apparently, the guy who did Karl Marx was white from what I was doing on IMDb, but they didn't seem to speak. Mm. It was only the... Because I was quite surprised that Jamila Jamil didn't even speak as Cleopatra. I thought she did, but she just looks suggestively at the camera because she's beautiful. Whereas the others all get speaking roles. Even, like, obviously, it's tiny, but it's, like, it's interesting that only the white people on her wall speak. 
and it's mostly white people on I was thinking that but then do you think that was just what back then that's all there was in the the library maybe yeah because it was just going to be the representation that you get growing Mm. up because it wasn't going to be that diverse yeah maybe because even Cleopatra, it's kind of been it's kind of been taken from Egyptian history, hasn't it? But yeah. you forget she's Egyptian in some ways. Like I don't really know the story of her. Well, no, I do. Well, I don't know why I said that. But um, <sighs> but I think it was just what was available back then. Mm-hmm. It's not got any better though, has it? I mean, we've got a book club dedicated to mm-hmm. that diversity. It's not something that's easily accessible in school. Mm. No, I did as I was watching it because I was thinking how could they have added more characters in who weren't white and I, I don't know whether if they'd made the family mixed race whether it would have been weird if they hadn't talked about race mm. or whether that would have been fine but John Kite I felt like they could easily have made anyone who wasn't white he didn't have to be a white man and he's in the film quite a lot I suppose the thing is it is because it is semi-autobiographical mm-hmm. you don't want to take away her experience like yeah you know, that's what she would have interacted with and a white Irish man is probably going to be realistic yeah I guess so so like you don't want to take that away from her but then it's just the background like where is she and is it going to be more diverse or is it yeah you know like in those gigs why is it just white people moshing with her? Mm. It doesn't have to be like the characters because obviously it's going to be who she interacted with. I guess I just felt like, particularly because she's such an outspoken feminist, that the film should be scoring a lot higher on diversity because all of the feminists I know, I would hope, would make sure that there were like some of the predominant cast members weren't white. So have the background, but also some of the others. Maybe I'm judging her too harshly because she's a feminist, but... I think that there's still an element of white feminism. On that note, shall we rate the film? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Should we start with the intersectionality side? I don't know whether to give it one or two. Because there is still Chrissy, he's gay, and that's mentioned throughout the film in a way that I, I quite liked, that you could have a gay character there and it not be... A traumatic experience or a hidden thing it, it's just oh I'm gay and yeah no that is good mm. so I don't know whether a point for Chrissy and a point for some people in there who aren't white or is that too generous maybe one and one a half and, yeah I think one and a half <laughs> okay one and a half I don't know for the female side I mean I think it would no like one thing that I thought about as well watching this film is that she doesn't really have any female friends she doesn't really have conversations with women she's just surrounded by men for most of the time and I mean the conversation she have with women is like with her mom maybe and her teacher her teacher her teacher yeah but there have been no other females in the industry possibly not I think Catelyn's experience was that it was just men but literally not even one other person. I haven't read her book in quite a long time. I don't, I think her experience was that it was a predominantly male environment and that she was always trying to be one of the boys Mm. and one of the lads. And I think she had similar experiences to Johanna where she would sleep with a lot of the guys in the office and she realised later that they looked down on her for that, that it was okay for them to sleep with her but mm. not for her to sleep with them. Obviously, that double standard. Mm. She, I don't think she talks about being friends with any of the women at the paper. So if there were 
I, I don't know. So hard then. I don't know. As an industry, rock music is still so male focused. Like it's still a problem at festivals now that the majority of the people performing are men. Mm. I do like that we got to see a character who's confident and happy in her body. That was nice to see. Yeah. And I think also if you compare it to other films about teenagers teenage girls yeah now obviously we've gone into a new era of teenage girl films like with book smart eighth grade where it's not really much about appearance or body but like if we look at when this took place like in the 90s if we look sort of what came out then and films Mm. that came out then it was a lot i think about appearance and body I guess you could have done like a modern take on it. So it could have like taken place today, but it wouldn't really have worked because today music magazines doesn't really exist. It's weird because I feel like I want to give it a high score because she's confident, she's sexually expressive. There's stuff in there Mm. about periods and masturbation. It just feels a bit off. Yeah, and I think it's probably because it's not a great film. (laughs) (laughs) Like I think that's why it doesn't feel right to give it like a high score. Yeah. Um, but we're not scoring it on that, are we? No, yeah. exactly. Okay, maybe a three. Yeah. Because yeah. she does stand up for herself a lot as well. Like that bit where she shouts at them when they're yeah. in the hot tub. I did yeah. quite like that. Because I think as a teenager, I wished I could have stood up and said, and spoken for myself, but I would have just not I would definitely anything. not have chosen the words I am a sex pirate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Was I, I, I can't she there were some great puns that I can't for the life of me remember. She said something like a swash buccaneer, but not that. <laughs> okay. So should we go with five out of ten overall? Sounds good. Four and a half. Yeah. Four oh, and a half. four and a half, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> four. Four and a half out of unless, ten. Unless, I suppose, unless you give it a three and a half, I feel like four and a half out of ten is low. Yeah, I don't know. Well, hey, this is just our opinion. If yeah. other people disagree, then they can tell us and maybe in the future the score will be changed. Who knows? Or should we give it a five in total? Three and a half, because she's a strong female character. Yeah. Okay, okay. So five out of ten overall. Which is still, for a feminist making a film, not that high given that we're critiquing the film on intersectional feminism. Well, I suppose she's not claiming to be an intersectional feminist, is she? Mm. That's true. Hey, so uh, How to Build a Girl gets five out of ten overall, um, which is not as high as I think we were hoping, but never mind. Do you agree with five out of ten? Let us know. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Real Feminism, Real spelled R-E-E-L. Thank you very much to my co-hosts Amman and Hedvig for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you very much to Lee who does all of the editing and producing and artwork for the show and also to Sandra who does the music that you hear at the beginning and the end of the episodes. And we'll be back in your ears in two weeks time where we'll be reviewing Dirty Dancing. I can't wait. Oh my god. Bye. Bye.